Good morning, Edgewater. Good morning, church. Oh no, I dropped my note. Sometimes you need little notes to help remind you that you can do what God's called you to do. Inara made me a little note this morning, so it's right here to remind me that Inara, if nobody else loves me, Inara does, and that's good news. (laughs) Um, So we're in a series right now, and before I even say anything else, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these people here. We pray simply and honestly, Lord, would you come and open our eyes? Good morning, Edgewater. Good morning, church. Oh, no, I dropped my note. Thank you. I feel grounded. Called from here to there. And we've kind of been taught, we've talked about, I'm going to get this all out of order because I didn't check. We talked about where we're going, right? We talked about how, we talked about when. I got the easy question, what if? Anybody ever ask what if? Ever? Am I alone in this? I'm actually not. And, and the whole way that I kind of put together my thing this morning is I decided I know that I'm not alone. When I know that there's a place I'm supposed to go or a thing I'm supposed to do, a goal I'm supposed to accomplish, I'm not the only one on the planet who has a place to go or a thing to do or a plan to accomplish. And so I thought, I don't think it just needs to be my voice up here. So I invited some help. Um, I'm invited Angie and Brian to come and they're gonna come and they're gonna stand right, well, they're gonna sit. You, this now is the time when you can come sit. Um, Brian and Angie are going to help me this morning because I think every one of us, when faced with a task, challenge, goal, all of those things, it's not a far cry to say there's probably a what if or two hanging around in our mind. Um, and to, to illustrate this, I'm actually, Angie's going to start us off. I, I have a favorite, one, a favorite poet, um, he's a children's poet but his poems are very good for adults. And, and Angie's gonna read us one this morning to kind of help us acknowledge our un- unanimity, unan- our togetherness yes. <laughs> in the what if world. Angie, are you ready? All right, this is by Shel Silverstein and it's called, What If? Last night while I lay thinking here, sometimes what if crawled inside my ear and pranced and partied all night long and sang their same old what if song. What if I'm dumb in school? What if they've closed the swimming pool? What if I get beat up? What if there's poison in my cup? What if I start to cry? What if I get sick and die? What if I flunk that test? What if green hair grows on my chest? What if nobody likes me? What if a bolt of lightning strikes me? What if I don't grow taller? What if my head starts getting smaller? What if the fish won't bite? What if the wind tears up my kite? What if they start a war? What if my parents get divorced? What if the bus is late? What if my teeth don't grow in straight? What if I tear my pants? What if I never learn to dance? Everything seems swell, then the nighttime what ifs strike again. The nighttime what ifs strike again. Thank you, Angie. Our what ifs go through a whole gamut. They they kind of exist in a range from things like, what if I grow green hair on my chest? It's not real likely. I mean, I could be wrong to really real fears. What if I get sick and die? That's a scary thought. The also truth is the also truth. The truth also is we all of us eventually will. That's part of being human. We die. It's very sad, but not hopeless. Um, And again, because I think this is not a just Amy thing, 
you have a big piece of paper in front of you with a big old table and lots of spaces to write things. If you are not a note taker, like fill in the blanks or whatever, I left the backside blank for you so you can draw pictures or doodle, because I would rather doodle than fill in blanks. But I also know that some people really, the, the blanks are helpful. So those are there. I thought, why don't we just look at some of the what-ifs that we face? And because of who I am, I, I want... I want to listen to other voices who've also shared what ifs and hear how God turned their what if around. Because that's kind of the point of my, my thing this morning is we have all these what ifs about why we can't do it, why we aren't able to make the goal, to accomplish the task, to get to wherever there is. We have all these what ifs that say, I am not able. There are millions of people who have asked the same what ifs and they have found that God is able. And so this morning, I just want to let them speak to us. We're going to go through a whole bunch of biblical examples and hear just a snippet of their story. And, and my goal is to change the focus of our question, to change the ending of what if, from what if I, to what if God. Does that make sense? Are you ready to go on this adventure with me? I do this because I was telling somebody the other day, I keep all my books because the characters in those books are my friends. They've taught me things They've, they've traveled with me, some of them across the country and back, some of them to other countries and back, and they teach me, and I, I've, I'm who I am because of lessons I've learned from characters and books. All of our characters this morning are from the collection of books that we call the Bible. So, here we go. I kind of broke these up into sections. I feel like I need to do a disclaimer. Um, this is not the end of the, this is not the defining list of what-ifs. There are so many what-ifs, you can't possibly put them all on a page. I also broke them into three categories. You may disagree with where one of my what-ifs falls. It may go in a different category in your, in your brain, and that's totally fine. I'm not trying to be the expert on where the what-ifs fall. That's not my goal. My goal is to help us acknowledge what our what-ifs are and see if we can change the focus. Okay, are we ready? Here we go. So the first person we want to look at is Hagar, and this... this Section of what ifs are the what ifs of that I call the what ifs of I lost my paper. What if I lose my notes? Okay, these are the what ifs of insecurity. The what ifs of insecurity. The first one goes like this, and, and, and we see it in the story of Hagar. What if I feel alone or afraid? For those of you who don't know Hagar, Hagar was a servant girl um, who worked for. Abram and Sarah, they owned her. Um, Sarah really wanted to make God's promise of a son happen faster because um, he was taking too long. So he made Abram sleep with Hagar so that she could have a child. And then she kicked her out of the house because she, it was it messy, very messy. Abraham and Sarah had a very dysfunctional family relationship. So Sarah kicked her out and Hagar, pregnant, ends up in the desert She's out there twice, once when she's still pregnant and once when she has her son Ishmael. And in the desert, she's weeping alone by a bush. And all of a sudden, God is there. And he says, Hagar, I see you. And he gives her instructions. So she's asking, what if I am alone and afraid? And God says, I see you. And so what if we change our question from I feel alone or afraid to what if God sees me? Um, I'd forget who's reading first, but this is the first reading. Um, so from Genesis 16, this is what Hagar said. 
She gave his name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. So when you are feeling afraid and alone and the what if in your head is, what if this place that God is taking me to, I'm going all by myself, all by myself. Or what if we shift the song to, what if God sees me? Moving on, because we're going to go quick. There's like 14 of these or 15. There's a bunch, and I don't want to take too much time. Um, I want to stay within the time frame to honor kids' own folks. What if, next big what if, what if I suffer? What if following this plan, going to wherever there is, I suffer? I, I, we had a perfect example of this today, and I hope, Josh, it's okay that I use you. So sometimes we follow the plan, and we're going to wherever there is, um, and, and then something happens, and we suffer. This morning, little Milo was following his heart to run, and he was running the way he runs, full of joy, full of hope. I hope this doesn't make the microphone ring. Full of excitement. Ah! And he smacked right into the pole and fell backwards. Milo suffered. He was in pain. Sometimes when we're on our way from here to there, we encounter hidden poles behind curtains. And we get bonked on the forehead and it hurts. Um, the person you'll see up here, the person that, that I chose for this example was, was the Apostle Paul. Paul was somebody who was following God and, and kept going where God sent him, and, and he kept suffering. Paul suffered not one, not two, not even three, but four shipwrecks on his journeys. Four times. His boat got smashed to pieces. He didn't know what he was going to do. He suffered. In that... Paul changes his question from what if I suffer to what if when I suffer, God is with me. Milo hit the pole and within seconds, daddy was there to pick him up because dad was watching and he was right there. What if God is with me? Angie, Psalm 73. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. There we go. I am always with you. This is a psalmist says, I know I'm always with God because God's always got my hand. It doesn't matter if I run into a pole. It's going to hurt. I'll probably have a bruise. But my daddy's right here and he's going to hold me. He's right here with me. So this one came up in the, in the what if story. What if I die? Because sometimes following God and sometimes the big plan, sadly, leads to death. Um, this, is, this is Job here. Does anybody remember the story of Job? Yeah. If you don't know the story of Job, I want to tell you the story of Job in a nutshell, because it's morning and we have all these people we want to get to. Job's story is phenomenal, if you need to read it sometime. Job, get, the devil gets permission from God to test Job. And so God says, okay, go for it. Job's not going to crack, but go try. So the devil takes away all of his, Job was a wealthy man, very rich, had lots of kids, lots of cattle, lots of all of the things that you have. He, got, he lost all of it including his wife, his home, his kids, everybody died. And he ended up on the ground covered in sores, pain, intense pain. And, and his, I think it was, maybe it was his wife before he lost, did he lose his wife? Maybe he didn't. No, his wife stayed. She didn't die. Sorry about that. Correction, for those of you listening, I made a mistake. What if I mess up the story from the Bible? <laughs> I know, we do it all the time. 
Because it was Job's wife who said to him, look, you are suffering so much, curse God and die. It'd be better for you to just die. And Job says, no. Um, I don't know who's next, but Job 13.5 says what? Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Job says, no, even if God kills me, I have a hope. And um, Angie, what is that hope? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as far as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. What if God is my eternal life? And what if my physical death on earth is not the end of my story? What if? What if death is not actually something for us to fear? Just a question. Just asking questions. So another, a fourth question from insecurity, and this is, this is one I, I struggle with. What if I'm not sure that what I'm hearing is really from God? Um, and I think probably the best, the best example of this um, is, is when the serpent talks to Eve in the garden. And I don't know who's reading next, but read to us what, what happened in that, in that interaction. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Okay, so the serpent asked a question. He said, did God really say that? Maybe, he was, maybe that's not really what he said. And the thing is, if you know the story, the question that, that what the serpent asked Eve, he said, did God really say you couldn't eat from any, fruit in the, of the, any tree in the garden? That's actually not what God had said. So he twisted the truth, and Eve got confused. And instead of talking to Adam, who was right there with her, and they, and did, they didn't figure it out together, right? They together kind of forgot what God said. But here's the thing. Even though we might forget, so even though I might ask the question, what if I'm not sure what I'm hearing is from God? Here's what's true. What if God's word never changes? And what if when we hear something and we're not sure, we don't do what Adam and Eve did and keep our mouth shut, but we ask somebody? I firmly believe this is why God has called people to be in community Because when we hear something and we think it's from God and we're not sure, there are a whole bunch of other people who are in touch with the Holy Spirit who can help you discern, is this really godly truth or is this not? Okay, so truth in point, when I was younger, which hasn't happened to me recently, thank you, Jesus. When I was younger, um, there were a lot of junior high, high school boys that I knew and college maybe, anyway, who had this thing, this line, and they would come up and they'd say, Amy, this is embarrassing, they'd say, Amy, the Lord told me we're meant to be together. And the first time I heard that, I was like, wow. And so I talked to, talked to somebody and they said, Amy, if God didn't tell you the same thing, it's probably not God. So, discernment. Fortunately, somebody caught me with that. And I managed to, I, you know, I asked somebody, has this really happened? Does God tell you to marry somebody? Yes, sometimes he does. But he doesn't just tell one of you. Right? And when he tells somebody something, you've got to talk to other people and make sure that, that you're not just making stuff up in your head or that the deceiver isn't in there saying, well, did God really say that? Let's talk to each other. So, 
Those are insecurity questions. The second kind of area of questions that I was kind of pondering around, and these are the ones I struggle with the most. These are the questions, the what-ifs of insecurity. Insufficiency? <gasps> Sorry, I already said insecurity. What if I get the wrong word on my notes? I don't even read it, and it's right in front of me. I do that all the time. What if God fixes it and has people like Mickey point out, Amy, psst, see, this is why we're all together. Okay, so the questions of insufficiency. Basically, what if I can't do it? It's kind of the big question. So the first question in there, and I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but the question I ask myself a lot, what if I screw up? Like I have how many times this morning so far? Is anybody counting for me so I can, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Brian is. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> um, yeah. What if I screw up? Um, and, and I want to introduce here the, uh, the person that you see here. This is a great, great shot um, or painting that I found when I was doing this. I'm, I'm letting artists speak this morning, too, because they have different visions of, of events. One of my favorite biblical characters or people that I learned the most from is Peter. Um, Peter was on fire. Peter is the rock on which God built his, you know, built up the church. Peter is these amazing things, and Peter screwed up all the time. All the time. Even, even when Jesus said, you're gonna mess up, and Peter said, no. And then he went out and did three times in a row. And that's this picture here. Jesus said, said to Peter one night, he said, you're gonna deny you know me three times before the rooster crows. Peter said, no, I would, no, not me. I would never. I'm not going to mess up. Boom, boom, boom. No, I don't know him. No, I never knew him. No, you're confused. That wasn't me. Boom, rooster. <laughs> Peter went out and wept. Somebody has that verse over here. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown, disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. I screw up all the time. We all do. It's not what if I screw up. It's when will I screw up, mm -hmm. right? It's just reality. There's a different question that we can ask, though. Do we focus on what if I screw up? Or do we focus on what if God redirects me and redeems me? Brian, tell us what happened next in that story. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the, the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus said, do you love me? Yeah, you screwed up. And yeah, did you notice he asked him three times? How many times did Peter disown Jesus? Three, three times. And so three times three. he asks Peter, do you love me? Okay, so feed my sheep. What? Do you love me? Take care of my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. God redirects Peter. He says, yes, you messed up. Now go and do the work I called you to do. Keep going to the there that I set for you. Your there is to love my people, to feed my people, to teach them, to help them grow. Go do it. Don't get caught up in the fact that you screwed up because you did. Okay, okay, we're done. Bye. Move on. It's great. I love that. What if I screw up? Well, no. What if God redirects me and redeems me? 
Hmm? In spite of myself. In spite of myself. Yeah, well, that, exactly. Um, so, and this is another one that's true for me, too. Um, I, I, oh, we ready? What if I don't see or know where there is? I, I, I want to know the plan. I want to know the end goal. And I want to know all the things in between. I don't want there to be any surprises. No surprises. None. My grandma said to me once, this is, um, Stacy, if, if you're listening, this is Moot, said this to me. She said, Amy, pardon the language, she said, you are so hell-bent on getting to the end that you miss the fact that the journey is the point. I was like, whoa, ow, ow, and you're right, ow. Sometimes we don't know where there is, and God, t- God asks us to move forward anywhere. Go there. Somebody has a great example of this. I think, Angie, you're reading this. This, this is um, what happened to Abram. Abram, who later had the dysfunctional family. Before he got all dysfunctional, this is what happened to him. And the Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. You also didn't put end quotes on this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm her English teacher. She's allowed to notice things like that. So what if I don't see or know where there is? Abraham had no clue. God didn't say, go to, I don't, I can't, go, you know, go to this place on the, on the map. He just said, go, and I'll show you when you get there. That's hard. It's hard. So, so the, 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 the challenge, or maybe the invitation in the, in the what if I don't see or know where there is, is to shift our focus to what if it's enough that God knows where there is? What if that's enough? What if God knows? Big stuff. So that's Abram. Third question in the insufficiency category. Uh, what if I am too young or too old? Anybody ever feel like they're too young or too old? No? I feel like I'm too young and too old all the time. I'm too old for my knees to be knocking on me. I'm, no, I'm too young. I'm too, I'm too I don't even know. I'm just... Yeah. Am I too young or too old? Sometimes we can, um, we can think that our age or our experience disqualifies us from being able to get to wherever there is. I, I, I confess, if God were to ask me right now to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, I would probably say, not only am I too old, but I'm probably also too overweight, and I'm probably also too afraid of the cold. I'm not going to go there. Ah, no. But in the Bible, we have a whole bunch of examples, and I had to limit it to two. When I first did this plan, there were like seven but I, I limited it. Um, so we're going to have an example of someone who is very young and someone who is very old. And we, and we see the shift in the question goes from what if I'm too young or too old and becomes what if God makes me able? So read to us about Josiah. Josiah was eight years old when he became... Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. Eight years old and he's the king of God's people. Is he too young? Maybe. God made him able though and he reigned for how long? 31 years. 31 years. Angie, read to us about Anna. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe 
of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven, seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and, and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the children who were, who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So in this story, just to give a little background, Anna's an old woman, 84-ish. I don't know, I don't, I'm hoping I live to be that old. Um, Anna's an old woman, she's in the temple, and the person that they, that they brought to her was none other than Jesus. And so here's this old woman who's been kind of a recluse. She just stays in the temple all the time. She's always there, that she never leaves. And suddenly she she exercises that prophet gift that she had because we read that she was a prophet and she exercises that gift and she begins to speak this child is the hope of Israel this child is the fulfillment of the promise of God old woman nobody pays much attention to her but all of a sudden in her old age God gives her a word that is both prophetic and and significant love Anna she's so great So yes, what if I'm too young or too old? Or what if God makes me able no matter what age I am? And then then there's this one. This kind of is, I call this the umbrella what if. What if I'm not good enough, equipped enough, skilled enough, qualified enough, tall enough, short enough, old enough, young enough, single enough, married enough, parental enough? What if I'm just not enough? What if I don't think I have what it takes to get to the there that God showed me? What if I think I don't have what it takes to get to the there that God showed me? Um, This is another one where I had a whole bunch of examples. I don't know how many I left on your thing. Oh, I just gave you one. Sorry. Um, The Samaritan woman is one of my favorite stories, um, one of the favorite women in the Bible. She's, She's had enough. She's had a whole bunch of husbands. She's living with some other guy now. She's she's pretty much done with society. She goes to the water, um, the well at a time when nobody else goes because people make fun of her and say nasty things. And she goes there one day and there's this Jew there. She's from Samaria. Jews and Samaritans don't talk. They don't like each other. And there's a whole long history around that. There's this Jewish guy sitting there and she's like, oh, for the love. This is my one chance to get away from everybody and be here, get my water in peace. Nobody's going to say anything. And there's this guy sitting there. And they have this conversation. And in the conversation, Jesus acknowledges all of her life's past her five husbands and her current non-husband. And he says, you know what? You're thirsty. Yeah, we're at the well. That's kind of why I came here, I get water. And he says, no, you're heart thirsty. You're empty. You, you, need, you need my living water. You need life. And so she goes back, this unlikely character who doesn't want to talk to anybody or be with anybody because everybody's always mean to her. And she goes back. And you guys, she shares her story of this guy that she met and what he said and what he did. And she converts her entire town. The woman that nobody liked, that nobody would talk to, the woman who had no time for anybody, who was an outcast, went and converted her entire town, brought them to Jesus. They got to the point where she, they finally had to tell her, you can stop telling us now. We get it. You did your job. What if I'm not qualified, good enough, smart enough, liked enough? What if God's grace is sufficient? Brian, or is it Angie? I forget who's reading next. Brian. Sorry, Paige. 
This is, um, you're on 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will, 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 where is it? Therefore, I will boast. But boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Yeah. What if my grace is, what if his grace is sufficient and his power makes us able? It's a shift in the question. I got to get from here to there. I don't think I can do it. I don't have the skills or the training or the personality. God's grace is bigger than you and it overflows. And if you're going to a there that God called you to, he will get you there. Okay, so then we come back to Peter again because... Peter. Um, these, these, we're entering in now to our um, probably least, least lovable category. These are the, the what ifs of inconvenience. Because sometimes, friends, God calls us to a there that is not pleasant or comfortable or convenient. And the what ifs that come in reveal our um, distaste for being uncomfortable. They do. Those are, this is not bad, and nobody should be feeling guilty or ashamed. These are just the realities of who we are. We ask these questions, and it's okay, because I'll go back to God is able. So I just want to keep that in your mind. Okay, so first, Peter, what if, here's the, here's the what if, what if it's unpopular or countercultural or really uncomfortable? In this story, um, let me see what they're reading. Yeah. In this story, Peter, um, Peter's a Jewish man, you know, he's following Jesus, and Jesus has ascended into heaven. Peter's out preaching the gospel to all of the Jews, and, and he, he gets a call from God, and he says, I want you to go to, to some Gentiles, I want you to go to their house. No, thank you. I'm not going there. That's uncomfortable. I'm not going go to go, what? They don't, no. Nuh-uh. So Peter has a dream, and in this dream, God lowers down this big sheet, and it's full of all the animals that in the Old Testament, God said the Israelites could not eat because they were unclean. So crustaceans, they couldn't have lobster, y'all. How sad is that? No lobster, no pigs, no bacon. So sad. All these foods. And, And Peter had been raised as a Jewish man. He knew what the rules were about what you could not eat. He was a very staunch follower of those rules. So here's this, this, this sheet coming down with all these animals in it, and God says to him, Peter, eat that. <sighs> no! What's the food you actually think is just totally disgusting? Eggs? Brussels sprouts. Lobster. I'm sorry. How were we raised in the same family? Somebody else said something over here. I, so many. Brussels okay, sprouts. Brussels sprouts. Broccoli. I broccoli. I love broccoli too. Cottage cheese. I like that too. So, okay, so here's your food. You've grown up your whole life saying, I'm not eating that. Not only that, well, let's pretend for a, minute, for a minute that God raised you saying, you may not eat that. It's unclean. It will make you unclean. 
And all of a sudden, God says, hey, Angie, I need you to eat some Brussels sprouts. No. How about no? (laughs) No, I don't want to. God says something to Peter. He says, Peter, do not call unclean anything that I have made clean. What do we do with that? Does God change? No. But Jesus came and fulfilled the law, which means that all those things that used to be unclean are no longer a danger to us. How does that equate to Peter going to visit the Gentiles? The Gentiles had been considered unclean, but Jesus came and died for them. Jesus made them clean. And so Peter's invited into a there that is very uncomfortable for him. He's going to a racial group he does not like, who he believes are less than him, unworthy, and wrong. And God says, you are carrying to them the truth that I love them so much that I died to save them. Peter was very uncomfortable. How did Peter eventually respond? Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When the Jewish believers heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. God has granted repentance that leads to life. So the question changes from, what if it's uncomfortable or unpopular or countercultural to, what if God reshapes culture? What if, friends, God reshapes culture? That's a big what if. So the next one, this is, this is one of my favorites. What if it takes a really, really long time or it doesn't follow my plan? I had a conversation with my dad once. I was changing from, I went to school, became a teacher, and then I was like, well, I think I should go to seminary. I didn't go to seminary to become a pastor. I went to seminary so I could learn Greek and Hebrew so I could read the scriptures and make sure I got my theology right. I know, I'm twisted. Um, but I said... I said, I always wanted to, to do that, but I never did when I was younger because I thought I should do this other thing. And, and God, my dad, God, he's not God. I love my dad. Love you, dad, in case you ever listen to this. Um, you're not God, but I love you. But my dad looked at me and he said, Amy, here's the thing about straight lines with God. You ready? He said, God draws straight with crooked lines. My journey to the job that I have today as a parent liaison and translator in a school district and a children's pastor here, took me from Mexico City to Chicago to Fresno where I was a teacher and started writing worship music, back to Chicago where I, got, where I went to learn how to, to write better worship music that was more theolo- theologically accurate, and then, I went into, and then that led me into, well, maybe you should be a pastor, so I was a pastor for a few years, and then that led me into um, starting a ministry with teen moms, which I don't know where that came from. And then, and then I had to go, and then, but then I went down and I was unemployed for a while, which totally didn't follow my plan. That was not my plan, y'all. I had no, that, nowhere in my plan did I say, I'm gonna live on whatever people will give me for 
more years than I care to admit. That was not in my plan. And then from there, I ended up doing some medical interpretation training, because that made sense. Um, so I could translate medical terms from Spanish to English and vice versa. And then, and then I was a medical interpreter for a while, and then that led me into, and actually it's my sister's fault, thank you, um, found a job that was for an, an interpreter in a school district. And I thought, oh, I know how to teach. I, I know the school system. I get that. And all of a sudden, here I am in this place where I am helping families access education for their kids. And I'm using the language and background skills that I had growing up in Mexico. But then I'm also, I'm at this church where all of a sudden they're like, hey, you know, you really like to write curriculum. How would you? And Cindy needs to step out because she's been serving faithfully. And we, you know, we need somebody to step in. How about you come be our children's pastor? And all of a sudden, I'm getting to use my teacher training in, in designing and writing curriculum. And I also get to love on children and help with their spiritual formation, which is what I wanted to do when I was a little girl. I wanted to be there for kids and help them know Jesus better. And all of a sudden, it all comes together. But, but, but you guys, I'm 47 years old. My, my from here to there didn't go from here to there. It went from here and oh, back over there and then down over here and then it took a side turn. And, then, and now I'm here and I know I'm not all the way there. I don't know what the next twist and turn is going to be. But I'm going somewhere. So the question isn't, or maybe the shift of the question isn't, is what if it takes a really long time or doesn't follow my plan to the different question of what if God is patient, God is faithful, and God orders my steps. So I didn't know where there was, which was also, we talked about that earlier, and I didn't know what steps I was going to take, but God knew. God always knew. And every time I took a step, he's like, oh, okay, we'll go that way, and oh, now I'm going to shift you this way, and oh, maybe we can go back that way. Um, and I, I feel like my story a lot relates to, um, to the whole people of Israel. And I'm not saying that because like, I'm as great as the people of Israel. Just it, please, because no, I'm not. It's, but, but in terms of they enter the wilderness, and, and, and I think, is it Angie who's reading this? No, this, Brian. So they, they, they're saved out of Egypt, right? Moses comes down, leads them out of Egypt. Yay, it's all exciting. And, and, and he says, I'm going to take you to the promised land. And then, and then this happened. By the day the Lord went ahead of them in the pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in the pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day, neither the, nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And what I, didn't, what I didn't add in there is the verse that says, and they wandered in the desert for 40 years. 40 years they followed a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Around and around they saw places they'd seen before. I think I know that cactus. I saw that. That snake's given me evil eyes. I think it's because I stepped on it last time. 40 years, y'all. Sometimes I think I'm from the South, and so the all comes out. <laughs> Forty years they wandered, but God was ordering their steps, and he was teaching them what they needed to know along the way, so that when they finally did enter the promised land 40 years later, they were a little bit more prepared. Okay, so those are our insufficiency questions. How are we on time? <gasps> is it? Is it? What time is it? I got you. 
It's 11.35. Oh my gosh, I'm late. Okay. Sorry, kids. Um, inconvenience. The what-ifs of inconvenience. What if it's unpopular? Did I already do this one? Where am I? Oh, I'm, I oh no, you're right. We're almost done. Okay, I don't like it. I don't like there. Jonah. Story of Jonah. Anybody remember the story of Jonah? Okay, some, some of you, if you haven't heard the story of Jonah, Jonah's a prophet. God says, Jonah, I want you to go. What happened, Angie? The, wor- the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tar- Tarshish. He went to, down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarnish, for Tarshish, for Tarshish there you go. to flee from the Lord. Okay, so Jonah, God, that's where you're going. That's your there. No. Nope. I'm going the other way. I'm going to go to Tarshish, which is not easy to say. Don't make fun of me. I'm not making fun of you. You did, love, you did a lovely job. Thank you. Okay, so, and then long story short, Jonah eventually gets turned around, spent some time in a stinky fish, ends up going to Nineveh, like God finally, like God had told him to in the first place, gets to Nineveh, preaches, you guys got to need, you need to repent or God's going to destroy you. And then Jonah, who so much didn't like his there, he, he, he went up on a hill and he sat up under, under a tree and he sat there waiting and watching for God to destroy Nineveh. He was so excited because he said, they're not going to repent. It's not going to happen. And he was excited. I imagine Jonah sitting up there with his popcorn and beer. Right? Oh, here we go. It's going to come any minute now. The Old Testament version of the Super Bowl. <laughs> exactly. Except, except it didn't happen. So Jonah got mad. And he yelled at the tree. Because the tree died. God made the tree die. So he was uncomfortable some more. It's a, it actually is quite a comical story if you ever are in need of a good laugh. Read Jonah. Because he just, he's just, he's so human. Anyway, Nineveh ends up saved. Jonah ends up sort of repenting. And so the question moves from what if I don't like there to what if God can change my heart? Because in the end, Jonah had a heart change. And he no longer despised the Ninevites. And finally... What if it costs me? What if the there that God calls me to costs me? Time, money, friends, energy, assets. What if it costs me? Um, there's a story of a rich young ruler who comes to God. He says, what must I do to be saved? God, Jesus says, obey the commandments. He says, I've done that. Pat on my back. Jesus says, Brian? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, go sell your pr- p- possessions possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure. Keep going. In heaven, then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. What if it costs me? This guy was very sad and he ended up not following because it was going to cost him what he had. But what if the question is different? What if the question isn't what if it costs me? But what if the question is what if God restores what I've lost? Um, 
Angie, read the promise made in the book of Joel. I will repay you for the years the locusts have been eaten. The locusts have eaten, yeah. This is referring to a time when the locusts came and they ate everything the Israelites had planted. And God makes a promise, I'll restore to you everything that you've lost. I do believe that when we are called to go there and it costs us, God either restores what we've lost or he shifts what we need so that that loss is no longer a loss. And so the fear of losing stuff ceases to be a fear. Um, I'm going to cut this a little bit short. Sorry, Brian. That means I'm not going to have you read. I know. I'm not going to have you read your story because we're going over time and I want to keep going, get done. Um, Going back to Peter, he's had all these these adventures and all misadventures and and Peter Peter finally has this this one more moment. Um, I'm totally blanking on what that moment was. Can I see your paper? I know, I got this. I'm flustered because of the time. No, I need his. Oh, yes. This is, I should know this. Pit Stop is studying this today. Okay, so Peter has one, one, one more final defining moment where he's out on a boat with all his, all his buddies, all the disciples, and they're in the ship, and the waves start tossing and rocking, and they're in the boat. Jesus isn't there. And they look out over the water, and there's a guy walking on top of the water. Here I come, walking on the water. And it's Jesus. I know, that's the piece I just stole from you, sorry. So Jesus is walking on the water, and Peter said, everybody's like, whoa, I'm so terrified. And, and, Jesus said, and, and Jesus says, don't be afraid, it's me. So here's this impossible thing, they're afraid. He says, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter, Peter, I love Peter, Peter goes, if it's really you, how many of us want to ever do that to God? If you're really who you are, then do this. So Peter does it, right? He's that bold. He says, if it's really you, tell me to come out and walk on top of the water too. I dare you. And Jesus says, come. Says, yeah, exactly, bring it. <laughs> come on. So Peter hops out of the boat. Well, he probably clambered. But he hops out of the boat, he lands on the water, and he starts walking. And he's walking on the water. He doesn't have special shoes or anything for that. He's not on jet skis. right? He's walking on the water. And the Bible says he looks down and he sees the waves and he sees the wind and he gets afraid and he starts to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches out his hand, picks him back up, and they walk back to the boat and get in. Maybe. But he didn't. And our last question, really... Um, what if I'm not able it's the same question we started with what if I'm not able and what if we switch that question we shift it so that we're not thinking about where, what we're not able we're not distracted by the wind and the waves but we recognize even in the wind and the waves God is able Whatever our there is, God is able. Um, Pastor Steve, time-wise, can you help, do, are we good for, to follow the plan? Or should we cut something? What should we cut? Follow the plan. 
Okay, we're going to follow the plan. I, um, a number of years ago, I, I spent a lot of time with Peter and all of his adventures, um, learning from him, listening to him, being in awe sometimes of his brashness and his just stupidity sometimes. Peter was a quintessential open mouth, insert foot. But Peter, the, the reason I resonated with Peter was that Peter had real disappointments. Peter had real failures. Peter went out and wept bitterly because he was so upset about what he had done wrong. He saw things not go the way he wanted them to go. He got his theology wrong. He messed up a lot. And I was hanging out with Peter and I thought, I don't, how could you be Peter who's so much like me and still have any hope? And I heard so clearly God say, Remember in Exodus when I said to, the people, to, to Moses, you tell them what my name is. My name is I am. And I got to thinking, how would Jesus have responded to all of Peter's what ifs and whens? And I actually ended up writing a song about it. And if you'll indulge me, I'd like to actually sing that for you, if that's okay. And then we're going to come to the communion table. Is that we're good? Is that good? Okay, so... I want to give you space here, as, as, just as I'm singing, it's, it's not about me or even Peter. What are your own disappointments? What are your own failures? What are the what-ifs that you struggle with? And as you think of those things, hear God's word to you in, in, these, in these words that I sing.
Dear friends, we are on a journey from here to there, and we will face a million what-ifs that tell us we can't make it, that tell us we are not able. The good news, the good news for you and for me and for all of us together is that when we are not able, God is. We have the privilege on Sunday, this, this Sunday morning, of coming to the Lord's table. And uh, I always, this is my favorite part of being part of the body of Christ. We come to this table that is a celebration of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And, and as we come this morning, um, I want to I read you what, 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 we, what is said about it from Paul, the guy who was shipwrecked, shipwrecked all those times. And I want to issue an invitation, and Angie and Brian are going to help me, and they're going to serve this morning. Come on up. Hear this. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We come to this table to remember that we are not able, but that God is. We come to this table to remember that when we cried out, and even when we don't have the strength to cry out, Lord, save me, Jesus already has. So in the name of the Lord, my dear friends, by the will of the Father, the sacrifice of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit, here proved once and for all time that God is always able. Come now and remember the promise of hope and life and that you will get from here to there.